This is Queer Voices. Hi, I'm Summer Iman. And Jennifer Renee. And we're here with Kuma and Mo to talk about a new group that's been formed called the Houston Intersex Society, or THIS. And so, Kuma, Mo, uh, tell us a little bit about um, what this organization does and uh, what's the, uh, the reason for your, its foundation. What the Houston Intersex Society does is kind of create a space that offers support and education for people who are intersex, um, DSD, which means um, some people prefer that term, which means disorder of sexual development, or some people even prefer the term hermaphrodite, which um, sometimes is considered outdated. Um, We have meetings um, the first Tuesday of every month at the TG Center, and we also do a lot of different um, educational panels and different things like that around Houston. So we, we're kind of multidimensional in, in what we offer. Well, I've got a question, and, and this goes out because I remember the first time I met an intersex person. They explained it to me. There may be people out there that don't get it. I mean, we... The ancient term hermaphrodite, which uh, goes back to the Greeks and all, that has an idea. So what is the definition we look at now? It's it's a lot broader than <coughs> hermaphrodite. And, and so it is a medical condition where your body is either physically kind of in between male and female or your chromosomes don't match or your external body for some people that means their genitalia is ambiguous that it's presents somewhere between male and female for some people they may externally look completely female and have xy chromosomes or vice versa and then we also include people who are um born eunuch or, or different things like that some people have um different genital dysgenesis sort of or conditions like aphalia where they have xy chromosomes and they're born without a penis or you know different things like that mm-hmm. what happened uh, i remember uh, i don't remember i was there but i don't remember it uh, i was small when i was growing up and, and so to full disclosure my last relationship was with uh, was with intersex person and so um when uh she who she identifies as a she um was growing up they they um closed her up and you know just you know made it you know the doctors assumed a certain thing at the time by confronting the parents because the parents were terrified oh my god everybody asked is it a boy or a girl and you go we don't know yet and which is terrible sociologically for all of them. So they, the doctors or surgeons at the time recommended, you know, you have fifty fifty chance, I guess. So you're about to say, well, essentially, with uh, with that being the case, uh, I guess the protocol um, <coughs> since uh, Dr. John Money, he was the psychologist who, if you're familiar with uh, as Nature Made Him, um, essentially. For most intersex babies, they were actually converted or had normalization surgery performed on them to make them appear and look as a normal uh, female. And essentially, they gave them, uh, like you said, they, they closed up because, of course, uh, they were actually um, basically as little infants operated on without any consent. You can't consent if you're an infant. And on top of that, they were actually um, 
uh, of course, I guess brought up in shame, essentially. So it's um, well, and that that was what happened. They the surgeons and the doctors pressured her parents to make a decision right there, and then in in those first few hours. Unfortunately, that's very common, and that's something that. You're you're very right. Is is something that lingers, and that is that is something that creates a lot of shame and guilt. Um, this, you know, something being done to you at, without your consent, or you know, sometimes that even happens when intersex people are, you know, children—not infants, but children or teenagers, or sometimes even adults—they'll have surgeries without their informed consent, or they'll be told, "Oh, this is cancerous," or something else, and they'll remove a part of their body that may not actually pose a problem. Um, but along with that, there. You know, you you do get, have a lot of shame and a lot of stigma and a lot of guilt, but there's a lot of secrecy with that, too, because these are things that, you know, regardless of whether an intersex-bodied person has had some sort of, you know, say, quote-unquote, normalization surgery, just the idea of being intersex so often is something that's kept hidden or kept secret, and it's something that we are brought up that it's something we're supposed to be ashamed of. It's we are not normal or you're not acceptable as you were born. And so that's something that as as a group, as the Houston Intersex Society has these meetings and, and offers educations and, and, and different things like that, we try to let people know that they don't have to feel that way, that their body is okay. Um, there's actually a, a project we just worked on making a, a film for um, called The Interface Project. And their little quote that goes along with there is, no body is shameful. Um, so, Like, what is the estimate? I know it's a bunch of different myriad of conditions. What's the estimated frequency for uh, children born with an intersex condition? The most common number thrown out there statistically is one out of uh, 2,000. I've also heard anywhere, you know, and, and that's something, too. It varies. I've heard oh. one in a, in 2,000. I've heard one in 100. I've heard, you know, tons of different things like that. One in 1,000. The thing is, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are born and you know. Um, mm-hmm. Other people don't find out until later on in life. Some people don't find out ever. So uh, we don't know. Like, that's the... Best answer I can give is we don't really know. Well, wouldn't uh, wouldn't the pressure to keep it quiet if they did? Uh, I, I just I was incensed by the term normalization surgery. Right, right. Being a trans person, I, I take real offense to that. But the fact is, is that uh, they shame the parents. So do you you know you can't you know we're going to do this surgery and you don't tell them anything and come back when they're in puberty how do they get away with this what what is it that we can do as a society or as a group or a community to uh, to help the intersex individual or well, a, a, a person a, with a, a ambiguous genitalia or any kind of intersex infant for that matter <laughs> um essentially the uh, the child's best advocates actually the parents uh, they have the right to of course advocate for the health of their child but more so they have the right to take any kind of actions they see fit uh, legally or what have you uh, for um, taking care of their child so basically they can uh, look online uh, google uh, support groups for uh, their, the child that's intersex and essentially find other parents that have been through the same situation as they have and uh, find help from uh, other parents and also from 
intersex adults as well, and that helps a great deal, actually. So, uh, have you been doing any outreach to the medical community, trying to change their attitudes? Uh, yes, actually, a couple months ago, uh, we actually participated in a uh, medical uh, standardized patient uh, program at uh, Baylor um, Baylor College, and essentially, uh, we did a sensitivity training with them, and it went really well, really, really well. That's excellent. That's really great. So, um, I have you ever, um, like, what is, what is the need you kind of perceive of this group? Like, how many would you say you would ballpark figure, you know, in Houston? I have no idea. <laughs> I guess it's, yeah, cause, because the statistics are so varied. This, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you outreach to the community, to the intersex community? As of right now, um, we, have, we have the website... We have, you know, this monthly... What is that website? The Houston Intersex Society com. This? <laughs> okay. Um, we have the monthly meetings, um, but what we also do is we hold, you know, Intersex 101. And, and what that is is not necessarily geared towards people who are intersex, but people who are not. And so that's part of the education. Um, we recently submitted a, a workshop proposal for the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference, um, specifically targeted towards people who are intersex but are also transgender identified in some way. Um, I, you know, again, we made the video for the Interface Project, which is an, a national and international project, and it's really just doing whatever we can to reach out in as many different ways as possible because, you know, even doing this radio show, there's going to be people hearing this that, you know, maybe didn't know, oh, there's someone else like me. Uh, I know when I was younger, um, I originally came out as, as queer first um, before I ever told anybody it was intersex. And recall, you know, being in, in my closet, <laughs> literally and, and, you know, I guess metaphorically, at home listening to this radio show just so I could hear someone else, right? right. Um, and, and so something like that stays in the back of my mind. Like somebody somewhere is going to either hear this radio show, they're going to pick up a magazine, outsmart and see that we host a meeting, they're going to, you know, see the website, they're going to see our video online, and just the fact that they know there's other people there is huge. Now, where do you hold these uh, Intersex 101? Or Any, where can you or where would you give anywhere. it all to me? Any, anywhere where somebody will have one. Um, Mo recently was at 14 Pews. They screened a film. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yes, we actually um, did a uh, Q&A uh, with 14 Pews after the XXY. It's uh, essentially a film about a, a, an individual born with XXY. Um, sort of. I, I don't really know. I don't really know. I believe so. I don't remember which condition it was. But essentially... After the the film, uh, there was a lot of great questions from the audience. But actually, to go back on the video part a little more, we keep on saying video, video. Mm -hmm. We don't really elaborate. Um, the video is actually um, from the Interface Project. Um, it's essentially, it's if you've ever heard of it, gets better uh, campaign where you know they're geared mm -hmm. towards young adults that are either uh, gay. But this one's more geared towards young adults that are like intersex, so that way um, they can essentially see for themselves that someone like them is. They've gotten through this. They found uh, support. They found they've connected with others, and more so, uh, they can kind of start to creep out of the isolation and shame that so many have uh, lived with for so long. 
So I know that intersex is included in the very expanded versions of LGBTQIA. Uh, Alphabet soup. Alphabet yeah. soup, yes. <laughs> it's a very long expansion. Uh, to listeners that may not see the immediate connection, could you talk about um, like how the intersex community relates to the rest of the GLBT community? I think what's important to, to really recognize is that some do and some don't. And so, like, our advocacy for being here is for those that do, but also um, we know that gender is different than sexuality, but how we, you know, define our gender can influence how we decide to label our sexuality. But when you your body is not specifically one or the other, you know, it, it becomes a little cloudy on, you know, in, instead of saying, you know, well, I'm, you know, interested in these people, the concern is more, will these people be interested in me? Or, you know... It's like you're a nation without um, any land. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or a person without a country. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like a transgender lesbian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, I think, too, that's why um, some intersex people do you know i identify or kind of feel more comfortable being in a transgender community and again some don't so i mean it it's a very we are our own spectrum um within a spectrum it's it's really really fascinating to see that some people are oh, i'm a man and i'm into women and that's it or where other people are like well i'm a little bit of both and i'm into this or you know so and I, the way that I like to present it to people is by looking at people and saying, are you a man or are you a woman? And then after whatever they say, I say, how do you know? Because is it genitalia? Is it chromosomes? Is it how you feel? Which kind of, you know, kind of fits into to transgender as well. But, you know, really the basis of what is sex, what is gender... If it's, you know, a spectrum as... Which is the challenge with the uh, other than LGBT community. I'm not going to go to the whole alphabet. (laughs) Um, Straight folks. Anyway, when you go to those, that that really confuses them. Because it's easier and simpler in in many people's world just to think, well, there's only male and female. And, you know, I don't want to hear about anything else. Now, how do we break through to them to really get them to engage in, I'm intersexed. You know, when you say something like that, first of all, you've got to take... From the experience of being transgender, you've got to explain to them what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's a spectrum of physiological things having to do with the body. How do you do that? How do you engage? Huma? That's a tough task, there, a task to ask there. Um, essentially, um, I think any, any way, the actual best way to actually get anyone motivated <laughs> is by actual... Um, basically actually personally affecting them so if they have like a maybe a family member within their um, a member within their family that's actually affected that's probably how they would actually look into that or actually they really wouldn't care unless it actually happened to them essentially but I mean it, it is important to have still have outreach and advocacy because it's still important and especially with the um, you know gay marriage <coughs> things and such um, kind of a, a more philosophical question given you know the 
your two experiences um, and your uh, interactions with gender, uh, do you have any feelings on gender being innate or societally, like, you know, put upon you or? Well, I definitely felt the <laughs> pressures to conform. Well, they were sitting there looking at one another, negotiating who's going to save something. I, I, de- I, definitely, I definitely feel the pressure of conforming to, to, to female. Uh, but essentially, you know, even if regardless of which gender, quote unquote, you decide to choose, there's always, um, I guess, just human nature. Regardless of what role you decide to play, you're always going to question yourself. So it's, it seems very fluid to me. Is is the question that there are that intersex means that you are neither male nor female? Is that the general way people think about it, or or is it that they're both? I think it it can actually be depending on who's interpreting it. Some people see it as you're both. Some people see it as you're neither. Some people just think you're weird, and that's more what we're focused on trying to break is not trying to decide you know are you both are you neither it's just hey i'm we're people <laughs> you know and, and people who want their dignity and their self-expression validated which as, you absolutely deserve to have as everybody does that's you know that's the big thing is you know as we as we're getting along here what is the message you want to deliver to those people who may be listening to us who either know someone or maybe uh, are intersex themselves what is it you want them to know you're definitely not alone they're really awesome people that are creating community spaces for you um that there's education out there for your family your parents your teachers your friends and there are tons of people looking to connect with you to share experiences and to offer support. Well, essentially, um, just look and uh, you'll find help and just basically find support, essentially. Just harping on that, find support, advocacy. And uh, so your organization meets when? Uh, the first Tuesday of every month at the TG Center at 7 p.m. And uh, where can they find more information? At the HoustonIntersexSociety.com. Uh, is there, a, do y'all have a Facebook site? Uh, yes, uh, the Houston Intersex Society. Or okay, the, this. See, see, I'm going to keep asking <laughs> until I get all the information out of you. Okay. And Twitter, and Sina uh, Weba, too, if you've heard of it in China. So, or everywhere. Oh, we have, you have a Chinese Twitter handle? That's pretty cool. Yes. Like, so have you actually done international stuff? Uh a couple of uh, a couple of things with um with um I guess um I guess sister stations or sister um I guess organizations. Very cool, very cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank uh, you. This has been Summer Iman and Jennifer Renee talking with Kuma and Momo the Homo. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And this is Queer Voices.